I wanted to start with something this morning. I don't know how many of you ever took the time uh, to watch uh, the Tom Hanks version of Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the, the Mr. Rogers film. Um, it is, please do yourself a favor and watch this movie. Uh, um, I grew up with it as a kid and it was this terribly low production, um, very cheesy, except there is a genius and a brilliance and uh, the image of Christ comes just shining through and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, it's really Mr. Rogers for adults. Uh, so don't write it off. But Mr. Rogers is this beacon of light. And there's this writer by the name of Lloyd who's assigned to interview him, but has this deep issue with his own father. And he won't let himself heal. And so uh, there's this scene in the movie where he just can can see that he's struggling with this. And so he just invites him to have this moment of silence. And I thought this would be a, a nice way for us to begin our morning. It's not necessarily the big celebration that we typically begin with, but uh, this is a scene right out of Mr. Rogers. And um, watch what happens in, in, the, whole, uh, in the whole restaurant as, as they're sitting there. Let me share my screen with you. I think it's one thing when we begin to self-identify as broken people, but it's right in line with our rhythm of gratitude. He says, they'll come to you. There's a scripture that I wanted to read uh, to frame in uh, our time today, and it comes out of Psalm 46. I felt like it was particularly appropriate given the state of our world and all that we're facing tonight uh, or today. And, uh, um, oops, let me get out of this. Sorry. And I wonder if, uh, Rick, would you mind reading for us today Psalm 46? Sure. <clears throat> God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thanks, Rick. Uh, you know, it occurs to me when we sit here and wrestle with the idea of God as a refuge and a strength uh, that that merits worth talking about. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago we celebrated St. Patrick's Day. And uh, if you know the story of St. Patrick, I sent out a little uh, write up about it. But St. Patrick was essentially kidnapped from Britain uh, and he ended up 
in England, uh, or excuse me, in Ireland, and he was just this shepherd boy. Uh, at 16 years old, he escapes back to England and he plays catch up with his education only to feel called to go back to the people who had abducted him. And he wants to go back to the Irish people. And, and it's thanks to Patrick's love and service that within a hundred years, the country was transformed from an illiterate pagan nation of war, slavery, and human sacrifice to the guardian of Western literature or literature in Western civilizations as Rome began to crumble. After the dust settles, it was the Irish who traveled into Europe to plant seeds of spiritual renewal and learning through the creation of monasteries that protected the ancient manuscripts that re-evangelized all of Europe. And the question that I I wrestle with that I think about is, do you think that teenage Patrick felt like God was a refuge when he was taken as sort of this bounty and he was thrown into servitude? Did God feel present in times of trouble? Now you think about Ireland, standing on the coast of Ireland, tending to sheep, watching the waters roar and foam, as the scripture says, do you think he felt God's presence? I'm going to go ahead and say no, probably not. See, Patrick was exposed to Christianity at an early age, but he refused it. But only until he went through this darkness did he begin to get to the depths of what he actually believed. See, when we talk about God is our refuge and our strength, God is our refuge and our strength, whether we feel like it or not. And maybe the word refuge um, is worth de describing a little bit more because it simply doesn't mean that God insulates us like within this bubble of safety and happy. But God is our refuge um, doesn't mean it makes us immune from sickness, unemployment, or loss. Refuge implies shelter as in within a storm, as in light within the dark. And so we have been in this series leading up to Easter Sunday talking about the dirt underneath his nails. It's the humanity of Christ that I wanted to explore. And there's this, just this brief snapshot in Luke 23, where Jesus is walking through. Yes, he was fully God, but he was fully manifesting his humanity. And Jesus relates to all of those dark places um, and, 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 and troublesome places that we experience. And so here's Jesus hanging on the cross. Uh, and the question that I have is, do you think Jesus felt like his father in heaven was a refuge and a strength while he was on the cross. Because it says in Luke 23, verse 44, it was the, now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Did you catch that? Midday, three hours of darkness. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. This was an incredibly dark time. If you think about the events leading up to the life of Christ, people simply watched, friends scattered, disciples hid, rulers and soldiers mocked him, criminals insulted him, 
I would say that this was Jesus's midnight experience. This was a very dark time, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, I don't think it can feel any more alone or isolated, helpless, or even hopeless. And the human experience will always include clouded seasons of uncertainty and of fear and of hardship. This week, I was listening to a podcast called the Rebuilders Podcast. And uh, in this podcast, they were describing um, from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, which is a very secular place. They were describing this research and there's this massive Google search right now going on in this up, upward trend of religiosity, specifically people Googling the word prayer. And it comes in multiple languages. And so what we're seeing is there's this trend that aligns with what some would speculate about secularism that's largely propped up by the idea that government can provide for you. Individual rights can provide for me. Consumerism that allows me to have the life that I want to live when and how I want to live it. And now what we're seeing is that secularist worldview is crashing down and people are searching for transcendent answers that this world can't offer. And when we enter into crisis, when we enter into darkness or even like midnight, we're faced with core issues like, where, does my, where do I find my sense of identity? Where, where do I find my sense of value and worth? Where does my hope come from? Because people are afraid. They're searching for help and hope that government or health officials can't really provide. So I think it's an amazing time to engage people in conversation and talk about a living hope. Of course, when I was reading this and I was thinking about the darkness that overshadowed Jesus hanging on the cross, and I was thinking about St. Patrick, and I was thinking about these moments about God being our refuge and our strength, whether we feel like it or not. There's this passage in Acts chapter 16 about Paul and Silas. They were imprisoned, and yet even in their prison, they were able to find the hope at midnight. They had been walking through this town. They had delivered a girl from an evil spirit. They disrupted the local economy. They were brought into court and they were turned over to authorities and they were severely beaten. Um, but what comes to us out of this time is, uh, let me find, I'm sorry, there we go. Uh, what comes to us out of this time is that it says, at midnight, at midnight. Hey, V, do you want to step up and read this passage real loud for us? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer work woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. 
If you're not familiar with this story, it is a powerful story, but they were imprisoned. Uh, and, and yet at their darkest hour, they were singing and praying. They were praising God and they were praying. And there is this moment um, because God wasn't to blame didn't intend for this world to be broken and God doesn't change simply because times are bleak. What did they do at their midnight? They prayed and they sang hymns. And if there's something that I can encourage you to do is not let this time pass without drawing more near to God. Because at midnight, things always feel uncertain. We lack hope. We hold on to fear. We hold on to offenses. And when night comes, it takes a minute for our eyes to adjust. You flip out the lights, but eventually you can start to make sense of where you are in the room. Similarly, as we yield to God's spirit, our eyes can adjust to dark places, trying times, and really big obstacles. See, it's always midnight when we can't remember or see the faithfulness of God. It's midnight when we choose scarcity over greed, uh, scarcity and greed over generosity. It's midnight when we choose the familiarity of fear and resentment rather than the possibility of liberty and freedom. Again, I was listening to the story of, um, it, was, it was a communist in the Bolshevik revolution. His name was Nikolai Berdavev. Um, and during this revolution, he became a Christian because he became so disillusioned with the implementation of the communist Marxist views. This was like in the 18 and 1900s. So this was the beginning of the modern era and, and de developed around this idea, a metaphor for night. So he was a philosopher. He was a thinker. Um, but he had this theological conviction and he used the metaphor for night and he talked about night means it's harder to see now remember he was coming out of the dark ages night makes it harder to predict we are living in a time what feels like darkness it feels like night has fallen and in, in nikolai's view he watched the advent of street lights these gas lamps that would now transform a whole city and it was no longer extremely dangerous to be out after dark. Now you can actually have a nighttime because now you had a 24 hour city. And so he starts seeing this unfold in his time, in his era of time. And he says, the metaphor of night is full of uncertainty. The metaphor of night is full of fear, of secrecy, and even danger. And what Nikolai saw was that when the night came, it wouldn't have to be a period of the end of everything, but in time of renewing. So when you and I go to bed at night, it's the idea that we're renewing our body. But the metaphor had always been something to be feared, something to hard to predict. Here's what he said. Just see, I'll read it a couple of times. But he said, night is not less wonderful than day. It is equally the work of God. It is lit by the splendor of the stars and reveals to us things that the day does not know. Night is closer than the day to the mystery of the beginning, of all beginning. 
Night is not less wonderful than day. It's equally the work of God, and it is lit by the splendor of the stars that reveal to us the things that day does not know. See, what Nikolai does is he reframes our darkness and our uncertainty. And in Christ, he reframes the light of the gospel as we learn to trust God by faith. If Christ lives in us, we are the light. That doesn't make us immune from the darkness around us, but there's a kind of hope that lives, that transcends. See, I think that night has fallen, but that's not the end of the story. We're living in a period that no one can predict. No one could have imagined. And yet in the meantime, we're invited to work through the night so that when dawn breaks, we come back stronger and a stronger sense of his presence, a stronger heart for prayer, maybe more confident in his promise. See, it's easy to resign to an unnormal routine and simply just try and wait it out. But this shouldn't be that time. I would even say that God uses darkest moments to create the deepest intimacy. God uses our darkest moments to create the deepest intimacy. It's just a matter of what will we cling to? Yes, are we going who's going to look after us? Are we going to go down the road of self-sufficiency or self-preservation or hoarding or are we going to take a posture of compassion that looks at the other's need? Are we going to take a posture of generosity? This is such a pivotal time for our spiritual development, for the light to break forth in your neighborhood, within your influence. What do we want dawn to look like? Well, that will, make, that will be defined by what we do during this dark experience. This is my encouragement to us, to be people of practice, to be people of hope, to be people who say, I believe that the gospel is more than propositional truths that I hold on to, that Jesus died for my sins and that it's only saved by grace alone. I believe all of those things. But yet the gospel informs our heart and we act out on that and become people of light, even in the midst of dark times. There is a temptation I think we all have to, to claim to what feels most familiar. And sometimes what feels most familiar to us is really toxic. Sometimes what's most familiar to us is our woundedness, is our unforgiveness, is our resentment, is our insecurity, because we've known it for so long. And what the invitation of Jesus is, is to trust him more, to be our refuge and our strength, not an insular bubble that protects us of and surrounds us with happy and good, but a refuge in the midst of a storm, light in the midst of darkness. That's the invitation of Jesus. And so as we find ourselves in this dark time, what do we want to do to prepare for when dawn comes? I want to share with you one more video from, this is towards the end of the movie. Um, you could almost predict, because it's a, 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 a Mr. Rogers thing, it ends well. 
And please, if you haven't already, watch this movie. But in the end, what he's doing is he's, he's gathering around and um, he has a very disciplined prayer life, but he's been working with this self-described broken man, Lloyd. Uh, and as he's trying to conduct this interview, he gets to know Lloyd in a really personal way. And then he gets to know Lloyd's family and specifically the father of which he has all kinds of issues with. And so um, I wanted to just, let me see if I can find this uh, real quick. Oops, sorry about that. Hopefully. Oh, sorry, it's sitting on my desktop and I'm having trouble getting there. Boy, I teed it up really good and then ended it. Okay, there it is. I am still on this. Zoom. Yeah. I'm in church. I'm sorry. I'm sure he's dying. I know. Sorry. My dad is dying. Do we need to start over? Sorry about that. I have to go and see Jerry. He's dying. I know. My dad is dying. Thank you, 
It is. Uh, I didn't eat them. It's a powerful picture of what it means to begin to walk as people of light. God can use the darkest moments to create the deepest intimacy. And can I just suggest to you that uh, uh, vulnerability never risked, his intimacy never gained. And yet we're created for intimacy. And so this is our invitation. And, and as we begin to be people of prayer, uh, I want to encourage you to pray prayers that actually require faith. Prayers that would actually require us to not just pray for preservation or safety, but would pray to see mountains move. I want to finish with just a couple of verses with uh, Psalm 139 as a sort of prayer of examination. And I'm just going to pause my way through this, but I'm just going to invite you in your homes to just pray with me. Maybe you just bow your head and you just uh, close your eyes. And I just want to ask you a couple of examination type questions where you just take spiritual inventory. And I want to give the Holy Spirit enough room to operate. But what is the work of night that we hope God has done within us? Has there been a moment where we've ever been able to say, I'm the broken one and I need Christ in me? Have you ever been interrupted with night that made you cry out to God and say, come into my life? And then we need to ask God, what do you want to do when dawn breaks? Will you give us a vision for when our lives return to some sense of normalcy. I think that's worth praying about. I think it's worth asking God about. What do you want when dawn breaks, Lord? What do you want of our church when dawn breaks? What do you want of our family, of our home, when dawn breaks. Psalm 139 says, Search me, God, and know my anxious heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What is it that you're anxious about? How might your trust in God be compromised right now? See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I would invite you to just confess offense and the regret that comes to mind. I invite you just to be, invite God to be light.
God, we thank you for your living word. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your son who came and walked among us, who had to actually learn obedience is what your word says. He identifies with our humanity. I thank you for that. I pray that you would prepare our own lives and our hearts and our minds. I pray that in the midst of darkness, whether that darkness be fear or resentment or uncertainty or whatever the case might be, you would use, you would redeem this time. That we might be people of light. That we might sing your praises at midnight. That we might seek you at midnight, as Paul and Silas did. And on the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he simply said, take this body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have a piece of bread or toast or something like that, I'm just going to invite you to break off a piece with me and, and hold it up. I mean, I literally tore it off. I mean, it's very indicative of what Jesus went through. Physically, there was torture involved. He went through it emotionally. There was distancing involved. He went through it spiritually. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he says, this is my body. And in all the ways your life feels broken, I have done this in remembrance of you. Or he says, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And then after supper, he took the wine, a cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he says, drink this, all of you. This, this is, is like the blood of, of my new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. So there was this idea that somehow the blood was our atonement. The blood could reconnect us. So even though we're found in this broken place, we're filled with the blood of Christ to find new life in him. Do this with reconciliation in mind. Do this with remembrance in mind, but do this with gratitude. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Let's partake together. And without throwing up a slide, I would just like to lead us all through um, the same, um, where Christ taught us all to pray, um, the Lord's Prayer, where he says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you want to say it with me, that would be great. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done done. on earth earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power forever. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I wanted to try one more thing here. Uh, and uh, I wonder if we could just try and close out in singing together as a, as even though we find ourselves in dark places, we can talk about that, but I didn't think it was right without us trying to sing together. And so I put together, a, there's a music video I found of a song that we're used to singing called I Raise a Hallelujah. I put you all on mute. So only those roommates, those people with under your roof um, need hear you. So act like you're singing in the shower and no one can hear just at midnight, Paul and Silas were found praising God. And so I wanted to use this as sort of our, uh, our celebration today. Uh, and let me find the right uh, one. Let's see, is it this one? Uh, here it is. Okay. Woo! Good stuff. Oh. Well, this is fun. I hope this interrupted your normal, your quarantine, uh, maybe your fear, maybe your midnight. I hope that we can be people of the light, even in the midst of dark and trying times. I hope that in the midst of what feels like midnight of uncertainty, we can still sing our praises and we can still find hope and promise in Christ. And so thanks for tuning in with us. Uh, please keep me posted on how you're doing. And if you have needs um, and if you know of needs, uh, as we talked about at our community gathering on Wednesday night, we have about $3,500 in our Good Neighbor Fund. We are actively trying to connect with people, and it's going to be people that you know. And so uh, be mindful of that. Uh, I love that Kathy's sewing a bunch of masks for neighbors just to be a good neighbor. Uh, that's just, that is just what to do during this dark season and how to prepare for dawn because dawn will come it will return back to normal but go with god go in peace but with the confidence that hope is alive and within reach god bless you